Welcome to the Dietitian's Dish Podcast. We are Gina and Nicole, two dietitian mamas and good friends living in Ohio and Michigan. This is a podcast dedicated to making whole family wellness more fun and less stressful. Whether you're listening in the car or slumped on the couch with a glass of wine, welcome. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. I'm Nicole. And I'm Gina. And today we are dishing about polycystic ovarian syndrome, insulin resistance, and fertility. But first, a little catching up. Gina, what's going on? All right. So we are recording this on November 8th. So obviously, we can't not talk about the election. Yesterday, the 7th, we found out the new president is going to be Joe Biden, which, you know, we don't talk about politics a whole lot on this um, on this podcast, but I think we can we can both safely say that we are extremely excited. Mm-hmm. I wore all blue yesterday <laughs> to celebrate uh, the fact that we won, and it's even it was even an OSU game day, so that says a lot. I was definitely saying go blue. Ah, I hate to say it, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I am a little bit disappointed in Ohio for you know being for voting Republican this year. But you know what? It was probably closer than it's ever been. And I will point out that I live in Columbus where it was very, very, very dark blue um, as it was in all of the big cities in Columbus or I'm sorry, in Ohio. So Cincinnati, Cleveland, Columbus. um, It was really just the rural areas that were red. And, you know, I'm not talking, I'm not saying anything bad about anyone who voted for Trump that I've got family members and friends who voted for Trump and they are still my friends and family. I, I just, I was not a Trump fan and that's just my preference. So, uh-huh. yes. so that was, exciting. well, he still thinks he won. I mean, <laughs> I know, I know it's not over until it's over. We got to get rid of all those illegal ballots. Right. Oh my gosh. The stuff on Facebook is killing me. I, I unfriended <laughs> really a person is. actually. Um, I was like, I, I can't with you anymore. And it, it was like a train wreck. So you, it, like my, I kept looking at it and, and you know, the algorithms on Facebook, like it kept pulling it up for me. And I was like, oh, okay, 25 posts a day about, you know, no. the fraud, the fraud. I was like, oh you're done. Block. Like, see, that's what's wrong with Facebook. How is that? How is that algorithm calculating that that mm-hmm. has to come up for your on on your Facebook page twenty five different times? I know that was an exaggeration, but still, that's isn't that what Facebook said they were going to get rid of? You know, lies. I don't know. Uh, have you watched the Social Dilemma? No, no, I have not. But someone did tell me to, to watch that. I, I, have I mean, not it's watched good. That it's nothing surprising though. I mean, if you yeah. spend any time on the internet, I mean, especially if you have an Alexa in your house, you know you're being stalked and I they're know. using all of your data. Anyway, it doesn't oh, matter. Yeah. Keep know. going, Gina. <laughs> okay, so anyway, <laughs> enough of that. Um, an update on the green tea study I'm in. I will say I feel very much like I'm on a restrictive diet, which I hate. There's foods that I can't eat because the green tea has certain antioxidants and polyphenols that they want to make sure I'm not getting anywhere else in my diet. So I can't have red wine. That's a big one or chocolate. I will say the red wine has not been difficult for me, believe it or not. I've just been, you know, having a beer or my tequila drink, whatever. I don't need what red wine. I don't need alcohol either, but you know, I still drink it. Chocolate has been so hard for me. It is, I feel like I'm depriving myself and then I'm going to binge when this is all over. I will say I have snuck a few pieces of chocolate. I can't, it's like, I can't live without it. Uh, and, but they, they gave, they gave us a sheet to actually record any of the f- off limit foods that we still ate. So I've just been being brutally honest and, and telling them what I've eaten, uh, just, you know, in, in the name of science, good science. And I gave a national presentation for fair, which is the food allergy research and education. 
It went really well. You know, obviously it was on Zoom. I think there were over 200 listeners, which I'm really excited about. Yeah. And it went really well. If you are interested, they do have that recorded on the FAIR website. So if you just type in FAIR College Summit, you'll see me speaking. I think you might have to pay for it after a certain amount of time. It It might be free through like Thanksgiving or something. But if you're interested, you can go there and see that. Bachelorette, we have to talk about it real quick. What did you think about the last episode of Bachelorette? Have you have you watched it yet, Nicole? I haven't finished it, but okay. are we doing spoilers or? I mean, I think at this point, most people know what happened. Well, it looks yeah. like the season ends and she just like chooses him. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yes. Okay. So the season ends. Um, yeah, I guess if you haven't seen it yet, Chris Harrison, these- you just blew up the Bachelorette, <laughs> and she's like, "I did." I was like, "Oh yeah. God." It, and then they make him propose, it, which I was not expecting that. I honestly just thought that they would just be like, okay, see you, Claire, we're bringing in a new bachelorette. But no, they they decided they had to wrap up the season with a proposal because, you know, it's the bachelorette. So he did and propose. He did. I just. Come on, Dale. Oh. I mean. Here's I, the thing, though. Do you not do you not agree that, that he should have he shouldn't have proposed? Well, I just remember a clip from I believe it was where he he was just kind of like alluded to the fact that she was just more advanced in her feelings than he was perhaps. And so Uh that just feels made for TV. Here's the thing though. I feel like if he hadn't proposed, but they stayed together as a couple, she would hold that against him forever. And I mean, hello, what better way to get a free like thousands and thousands of dollar ring? (laughs) I mean, if he hadn't proposed, she wouldn't get that rock. And I know she might be a little bit disappointed. And I, that's a sad thing to admit, but I probably true. I'm not saying that's why he proposed, but I'm sure that that, that weighed on him a little bit. Um, Do you yeah, like got, Claire yeah. like as a bachelorette? Well, I can't even answer that question because we didn't, we saw her for what, like three episodes. Yeah. I don't know. She <laughs> could have grown gorgeous. on me, but she is. She's beautiful. Mark's like, she's sure. okay. I was like, what? she is 30. Not like she's gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's, I mean, all the bachelorettes are beautiful. That's yeah, why they true, pick them, true. but mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. All right, enough of that. What's new with you, Nicole? Uh, yeah, I mean, the election. What, what, what did you text me about Michigan? If Michigan goes blue, you're never going to say anything bad about <laughs> I Michigan or I, I something did say that. along that vein. And Nick hates me right now <laughs> because I've been saying that for Because like you're a like, go now. Michigan, go blue. <laughs> <laughs> but the truth is, you know, we beat you guys. We were talking about this. Today, actually, Nick and I, we it's, it's to the point now where we have won in football against you guys and even basketball for so long. I almost feel bad. So I'm just going to stop rubbing it in. It's just it's just it's just sad, really. It's a little unsatisfying <laughs> because we're yeah, we played um, Minnesota, who was yeah, yeah, Minnesota. Oh, and two, oh, and two, you know, oh, and two versus oh, and two yesterday. We got yeah. it was terrible and yeah. it was so embarrassing. We're on our like fourth string quarterback, though, because of covid. Oh, is that right? I didn't. I, yeah. Know yeah. I mean. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it doesn't. Okay. COVID is blowing up the world. Um, also had a COVID scare, so I've had two COVID tests now in the past. Oh, um, oh. So, Gina, I told you I, I confided on the show that I was going to a small um, Halloween shindig, which mm-hmm. was, I mean, really probably in the grand for like anyway. It was was it outdoors. Some of it was, but it was okay. this giant like garage with very very high ceiling like crazy heist. It was more like a pole barn and there was like 15 people in there and it was different groups. So they were all completely spread out. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but like a shared bathroom. Anyway, it was it was a very unique space. But um, one my one of my friends did come down with COVID <laughs> and was at that party, and uh, so I got tested and um, it was negative. Since that time, right. though. Uh, several other people, I mean, between work and family, several other people have tested positive. And so mm-hmm. it's just looking at our local numbers here. Yeah, you want it to be a stock price. I mean, it is just that uh-huh. that graph is just a sharp incline. We've already gotten notice, a uh, put on notice from the school that uh, six through 12th grade is likely to go virtual here real soon. They're oh, going to wow. try and keep the younger um, kids because they can cohort better in school mm-hmm. as long as possible. But yeah, locally, it's just, it's blowing up. Um, I'm friends with the manager of the COVID unit at our hospital and she is just like, this is only the beginning. So I, I'm just, it'll be a lot. Um, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, just a lot mm-hmm. of COVID fun going on. Um, I guess the good news is anecdotally of those that I know who have had it, um, it which are people in lower risk groups, I would say, are yeah. doing really well. So just, um, you know, I, there's a lot of anxiety around COVID and I'm not dismissing the severity of it at all whatsoever. Um, but that helps me sleep at night. <laughs> so yeah, no, true. I mean, really, the only reason I try really hard, what I am thinking about when I don't go to parties or, you know, don't get around people and wear masks is not me. I'm thinking about my dad mm-hmm. and all of the other people that I'm around who are high risk. Yeah. That is the only thing I think about. I I know, I mean, like 99% sure that, you know, anyone in my immediate family, my you know, me, my kids, Nick, would be fine if, if we got COVID. But we see my dad and my dad's wife and my mom and my mom's boyfriend a lot. And we mm-hmm. want to continue doing that. And I want to feel comfortable doing that, not not worry that maybe we're giving them giving them COVID. So that's yeah. really what I think about. Yeah. It's it's been easier to to do, to be away from others because I think it's the same in <clears throat> excuse me, Columbus, but it's been a stunning like week of weather. I mean, just absolutely oh, gorgeous. Yeah. And we had our little family um Christmas mini photo shoot yesterday. Mm-hmm. It was 72 degrees and I'm dressing the girls up in like their Christmas gear. <laughs> I'm not sure if you saw my Instagram, but I was like, I I, I did a I did a naughty and I I totally bribed Piper with Taco Bell if she was oh, I didn't smile see that. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. ooh, I'm not supposed to bribe her with food, but she was being a little hellion. I was like, okay, girlfriend, pull it together. <laughs> so it didn't really work um as expected, Aww. but yeah. Hopefully we got one good shot. So I'm sure. I'm sure it'll be great. Oh my goodness. All right. Well, before jumping into today's interview, um, quick favor to ask. If you are loving the show, please write us a review. Reviews on iTunes are everything to us and they really help us reach uh, more people with the show. So we'd appreciate it so, so much if you would take a moment and uh, write us a sweet review. All right, Gina. Um it's just, it's just me and Sam today on the show um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as we jump in here. But Sam Abbott is a PCOS expert and a fellow dietitian. She is going to be on talking everything from diagnosis to treatment and insulin resistance to infertility. So please uh, join us welcoming Sam to the show for this informative, in-depth conversation that definitely has a foundation in health at every size and a weight-neutral approach to care. So without further ado, uh, here's the interview with Sam and I. All right, Sam, thanks so much for being on the show. I'm so excited to hop in and learn a lot from you, especially as a sufferer of PCOS myself. So without further ado, here we go. Um, And 
I want to kind of tease everyone into learning more about you. So we'll save that <laughs> for the end. Uh, so just kind of jumping in two feet here with PCOS. Can you tell us a bit about what is PCOS and how is it diagnosed? Yeah, definitely. And thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, PCOS stands for polycystic ovary syndrome. It's a metabolic disorder. Um, it truly affects basically the entire body, but it especially affects um, the endocrine system, which, you know, that's related to our hormones and then the reproductive system. Um, one of the biggest ways someone realizes that they have PCOS is typically through um, a missing period or a regular period, which that's a big, a big piece of PCOS. Um, PCOS affects at least 10% of women, we're thinking even up to 15% of women. Um, I mentioned the uh, lack of period or a regular period, but some other symptoms include things like acne, hirsutism, which is excessive hair growth, like on the face or the chest. Um, sometimes people may experience um, male pattern balding. Um, at the top of their head. And then also unexplained weight gain can be a piece of PCOS as well. Um, PCOS is pretty significant because it's the leading cause of anovulatory infertility. Um, and in addition to that, it's also linked to things like type 2 diabetes, sleep apnea, endometrial cancer, fatty liver disease. And we're now even seeing a link um, between PCOS and anxiety and depression. So there are definitely a lot of pieces to suffering from PCOS, as I'm sure you're aware. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of a diagnosis, um, it's a little complicated because diagnosing PCOS is really a process of exclusion. So basically, um, we're exploring all other reasons why someone may be experiencing symptoms, especially um, the missing or irregular period. And then if other things have been excluded, that's kind of how we come up with a PCOS diagnosis. Um, so there are three diagnostic criteria. Um, somebody has to meet two of them. And this criteria is called the Rotterdam criteria. So um, one piece of criteria is the irregular or missing periods. Um, the second piece would be elevated androgen levels. Androgens are male sex hormones, um, which women have male sex hormones, like that's completely normal. But in PCOS, there are excessive amounts. Um, and that can be diagnosed either using labs or just by going uh, by signs and symptoms, because sometimes androgen labs are a little unreliable. Mm. And then the third piece of criteria would be polycystic ovaries on an ultrasound. So um, you only have to meet two of those pieces of criteria in order to receive a diagnosis. Um, part of the reason that it's a diagnosis of exclusion is because there are other reasons that somebody could have a missing period, especially with hormonal disorders, um, hypothalamic amenorrhea, and thyroid conditions can also affect um, periods as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's. Sounds very familiar for sure. <laughs> um, and not, I, I know this wasn't specific, a specific question that I sent ahead of time, but what androgens specifically are they looking at for that diagnosis? Um, ones that I commonly see pulled are total testosterone, free testosterone, and DHEA sulfate. Okay. 
yeah, I think mm-hmm. that's super helpful. Okay. Excellent. Um, so could, could you tell us just a bit more, more about your philosophy as it relates to PCOS and, and maybe how that contrasts a bit with kind of what I won't say Western medicine, but kind of a Western approach to nutrition? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I definitely have a more haze aligned approach to PCOS and haze stands for health at every size. And basically, um, within that philosophy, I just really believe that everyone is deserving of respectful health care, independent of their body size or weight. Um, we know that weight is not a behavior, it's an outcome. And because weight gain is typically one of the symptoms of PCOS, I find that primarily all treatment for PCOS is really focused on weight. And in that process, a lot of the behaviors that could actually improve hormone balance are kind of missed, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I really just um, focus on treating each person with PCOS as an individual, looking at your individual symptoms, your individual labs, and what are some nutrition and lifestyle changes that we can recommend that can get you feeling better and ovulating regularly again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. And that closely aligns with everything that my co-host Gina and I talk about all the time on the show. So I love it. Uh, So ton to know about PCOS, of course. There's, (laughs) There's weight, there's the side effects, ovulation or lack thereof, the hormones and chronic disease risk. It's a lot to, it's a lot to unpack there. So I guess in very basic, easy to understand terms, can you break down PCOS like just for just at the most basic level, if possible? Yeah, definitely. So really what we see at the center of PCOS would be those elevated androgen levels. So those are those male sex hormones. And we don't really know why PCOS develops. Um, We think that it has to do with a combination of genetics and environmental factors. Um, But basically, these elevated androgen levels can cause a lot of problems. Um, They can really, um, in a simple term, just really mess up the way our body is meant to ovulate. Um, This can, they can also cause a lot of inflammation. there's a component of insulin resistance to PCOS. So having elevated insulin levels can be inflammatory. Having inflammation can cause um, insulin resistance. So it's kind of like a a never ending cycle. Um, So basically all of this chronic inflammation and elevated androgen levels really wreaks havoc on the body. Um, Most people who have PCOS have chronic low-grade inflammation, which is not healthy for us long-term. It can definitely lead to chronic health conditions as well as having that insulin resistance as well. So that's where we really see the link between PCOS and the development of type 2 diabetes and heart disease. A lot of times, um, my clients with PCOS will have elevated cholesterol levels and not really understand why. Um, So yeah, and treatment is really focused on decreasing inflammation and improving insulin resistance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love it. Um, And I think you touch on this perhaps a bit with maybe a genetic link. 
Uh, but I I think that's probably a newer something that's come about. And when I think of PCOS and as a sufferer, I should be more well versed in it. And um, <laughs> I, I think a lot of it came from confusion around it. And I, I think a lot of it comes to like the whole chicken egg debate. Which came first? Was it the polycystic ovarian syndrome or was it this insulin resistance or was it weight that caused it? Like, how are all of those kind of um, linked together? And and is there a a known which comes first? Right. Well, I will say with the weight component, um, my experience in my practice has been that someone may have had signs and symptoms of PCOS when they were an adolescent and it just kind of went undiagnosed. Um, I do not, this is very unfortunate in the medical community. I feel like a lot of my clients were made to feel like because they gained weight that caused PCOS to develop. My experience in my practice is that the opposite happens. A lot of what my clients tell me is that when they were younger, they were the same body size as their siblings. And then they just steadily gained weight throughout life, or they had a period where they gained a significant amount of weight in a short amount of time when they weren't changing anything about their nutrition or their lifestyle. Um, In terms of the development of PCOS, uh, we think that there may be a leak. You know, did, did something happen when your mom was pregnant with you? Were you exposed to an environmental endocrine disruptor or did your mom have elevated androgen levels? And then that was kind of passed along to you. Um, That is really what we're thinking. Um, I know there's newer information that actually if if, um, a mom has PCOS, then her son may have some um, side effects with that with his own fertility. So that's a newer piece of research as well. So yeah, there, there's definitely a lot of information to uncover there. Unfortunately, right now, PCOS is still misclassified with the NIH. It's only classified as a reproductive disorder when we know that it is really more of a metabolic disorder that affects reproduction. So If it were classified correctly, um, PCOS would be getting so much more funding for research. And I think we would have a lot more information about these types of things. So um, if you're somebody listening and you're passionate about this, you can definitely get involved in PCOS advocacy because that that change in classification actually has to come from Congress. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So much of what you just said, I'm like nodding along as, you know, in when I first started menstruating, I would go nine months without a period. Um, mm-hmm. And then some, maybe I might get one and then every other. It was just so sporadic. And, you know, that's when you're in your teenage years, that's a lot of fun to like be <laughs> prepared at all times um, and perhaps go the better part of a year without a period. And then I remember after I got married, which I got married quite young, I was 23. I had a period of rapid weight gain. And I was I just remember the shame. I had just become a dietitian and had gained all, you know, it was just, and this is really, you know, years before haze and all of that. I mean, it was in its infancy, but it was not a well-known anything at that stage. And I just remember feeling just so burdened by that and add to it the fact that I was looking to start a family at some point in the near future and not having regular periods. It was just this overwhelming, you know, what can I do? And um, I'll talk about metformin here in a minute, but so much of what you just said, I, I resonates with me certainly. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. And I can only imagine, I mean, we could have a whole podcast episode (laughs) about our profession. I think it's really, really problematic that, you know, our profession is mostly thin white females and it's not really representative of the average population. In general, bodies come in all shapes and sizes and weights um, and kind of what is represented as like the ideal body type is really not representative of the average body type or even what, what somebody needs. You can't tell somebody's health status based off of their weight or body size anyway. Um, But I have heard so many people say that they were either intimidated to become a dietitian or they had a traumatic experience becoming a dietitian because Mm. of their weight. So I, I think it's really problematic in our profession. Spot on, a hundred percent. And yeah, and I don't know your personal, you know, history with any of this, but I personally know how challenging it can be can be to lose weight. And so, as an RD working with the PCOS population, when and how do you broach the topic of weight loss with your clients? And what's your best advice in helping them be successful, whether that is perhaps weight loss or not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. So I don't have PCOS myself. My sister does, just some background there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I became interested in it because I had so many clients who had PCOS. Um, in terms of your questions, how do I broach the topic of weight loss? I mean, to be completely honest, I don't unless somebody brings it up. Okay. Um, I think that we really, when we're treating a population that has a symptom of weight gain, Uh, Number one, we need to understand what types of experiences they have just walking through life, Um, going, being afraid to go to the doctor because their focus is going to be on weight or spending time with friends and family who may inquire about weight or weight gain. Um, I don't know if you've had any experiences like this, Nicole, but a lot of my clients tell me that when they were younger, their parents tried to put them on diets or felt like their weight was a reflection of parenting. And it really led to a lot of traumatic experiences and um, even disordered thoughts and feelings around food. So mm-hmm. I think for me, having that really strong understanding of weight stigma and how weight bias um, in the medical community and just in society in general has really played a role in the way somebody feels about themselves and their desire to lose weight is really key. Um, I think another thing to remember when it comes to the topic of weight loss is we literally have zero research that supports any type of intervention to promote weight loss long-term. So in any study that we have where somebody or a group of people has lost weight, that weight is typically regained um, within two to five years. And we know that process of weight cycling is actually damaging to hormones and can make insulin resistance worse. So when I am working with a client who strongly desires to lose weight, it's not my job to tell them that, that that desire is wrong. I think that that's completely understandable given our healthcare system and the society that we live in. Uh, but my focus is to help them feel their best now in their current body, like in that moment um, and in that present time. So, you know, if somebody is struggling with fatigue or 
they're thinking about wanting to get pregnant, but they're not having a regular cycle or they're having sleep issues or things like that. That's really what I'm focused on is helping them treat those individual symptoms with behaviors and really just encouraging somebody to view weight as more of an outcome that may or may not be within their control. Yeah, I love that. It's <laughs> another little sn- just snap in time of my my past, but I was um nearly 200 pounds by the time I was 13. So I and I'm 5253 five, for the record. I probably wasn't even that tall at the time. Uh, but yeah, my mom was taking me to counseling and and so much of that, it, you know, while the details are blurry, um, the the lasting, you know, how that made me feel was um, it, it really led to some disordered eating. I, I can't, you know, qualify really that I had an eating disorder, but it was very, very disordered, uh, rapid weight loss that was unattainable. I, you know, I reached a, a quote unquote healthy body weight for about a quick minute of my life and quickly spiraled right back to where I was. Um, and I guess proudly I can say I've stayed there, but it, it's with a lot of effort. Um, and you know, I guess it's really, I look at myself as a dietitian, somebody who loves exercise. Those are things that I, I have those tools in my tool belt. And, and I, I feel fortunate that those are parts of my life that I enjoy and truly like feed my soul. Uh, but you know, for people who aren't in those same sh- shoes as me, you know, how difficult, um, it can be to prevent further weight gain and all, you know, not to make it all about weight. But as you said, the society we live in, um, it, it can just be so challenging to keep that, um, to, you know, to not focus on weight, really. Mm-hmm. Well, and I do think that the focus on weight is actually a really big distraction from actually treating those root underlying causes of PCOS, mm-hmm. uh, just because I do find with my clients that helping them bring their periods back or improve acne, improve hirsutism, even improving cholesterol levels or blood sugar levels. I find that that really happens kind of independent of weight loss. I mean, I have many clients who get their periods back and they really either don't lose that much weight or don't experience any weight loss when we're working together and they're shocked when they see their symptoms improving. And I think it's really misleading and almost poor medical advice to kind of lead the treatment for PCOS with the recommendation to lose weight or telling somebody that weight loss has to occur in order for them to be healthier. Uh, We have so much research that just shows that weight is, I mean, that um, health is tied to behaviors Mm -hmm. more so than weight. Yeah. I, my periods are more consistent now than living a life of, I would say, food freedom and, and intuitive eating than they were, yes, in, in the throes of my dieting many years ago at, at a, a weight lower than it is today. So that I would say my experience closely aligns with what you just said as, as weight, a, an independent factor of health, um, if you will. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not surprising to me um, Mm -hmm. what you just shared. I mean, that's a lot of my clients' experiences. And truthfully, many of my clients come to me actually under eating or they feel so stressed around food and they have a lot of disordered eating habits. Um, Binge eating is more common in somebody that has PCOS. And I think that that has to do with the restriction piece of things. If you're always told that you need to be losing weight. That's going to give you anxiety around food. You're 
probably going to try to eat less or skip meals. And that frequently ends in binge eating. Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful people like you exist out there because Mm -hmm. once women are diagnosed with, with PCOS, the amount of variable medical information is overwhelming. Everything from metformin and calorie restriction to keto. What would you say is your best advice for women and should they consider metformin therapy? Yeah, I think that's a really great question. So metformin is typically recommended for PCOS to treat the insulin resistance piece of things. Um, So when you have elevated insulin levels, that actually causes your ovaries to produce more testosterone, which then interferes with ovulation and can cause some of the pesky symptoms of PCOS. So that's why um, metformin is recommended for PCOS. Um, I should also mention that insulin resistance is evaluated by looking at actual insulin levels and how your insulin levels react when you consume carbohydrates. So if you're somebody that's gotten your A1C tested or your glucose tested and they were normal, um, that doesn't rule out insulin resistance. That just ruled out hyperglycemia. So if you're confused about whether or not you have insulin resistance, that would be step number one. Um, I've actually had clients who were recommended metformin and they didn't have any insulin resistance going on at all. Um, I often see this in clients who have no symptoms of weight gain. Um, You know, elevated insulin levels do cause our bodies to gain weight, which is where that part of that weight gain comes from. Um, but in terms of my best piece of advice, I would say number one, it's important to remember that PCOS is really individualized, um, nutrition and exercise and lifestyle habits are individualized to you and what you enjoy, um, your social life, your mental health, your emotional health, that all plays a role in your path to treating this hormonal disorder. Um, metformin is a medication option. There are pros and cons to metformin. Um, Some supplement options in place of metformin or in addition to metformin could be inositol or NAC and acetylcysteine or even berberine. So there are some supplement options if somebody does not want to take metformin. In my professional opinion, in my experience working with clients is it's helpful to take something to treat that insulin resistance to just help you build a foundation to get you feeling better. A lot of times when you have chronic insulin resistance going on, your cells are starving. You may always feel hungry or always craving carbohydrates or you just feel exhausted. Um, And I find that treating the insulin resistance with something can just get you feeling better to the point where maybe you do want to be more active or you don't feel as depressed, or maybe if you have anxiety, you find that that improves too. So I just, I personally find that treating the insulin resistance with something is a good first step with treating PCOS. Um, Some other basic recommendations would be making sure you're not under eating or making sure you're eating regularly throughout the day. Unstable eating habits can actually cause stress on your body. It can be pro-inflammatory, can cause you to overeat later. 
So eating regularly is important. Um, another thing too, especially if somebody has insulin resistance, is just making sure that you're eating protein and fat with most meals and snacks and increasing your fiber can help too. Um, I find a lot of people have the most problems with this with breakfast. Um, having protein and fat with your breakfast can give you more sustainable energy throughout the day and just help you feel better throughout the morning. Um, and then also these lifestyle factors too. I mean, stress plays a big role in hormones. Um, sleep and having good sleep hygiene and getting enough sleep is important as well. And then movement. Um, what type of movement makes you feel good, gives you better energy, helps you sleep better. Um, it's a huge misconception that you need to be doing these intense exercises in order to improve PCOS. Actually, most of the time, the opposite happens. Really intense exercise can be pro-inflammatory. Um, so if you're somebody who's into more intense things and you notice yourself feeling tired or exhausted after a workout, that could be a red flag that maybe toning it down and doing something like walking or yoga or strength training may be better for you and your hormones. So those are some basic recommendations that kind of apply across the board. No, oh, that's great. I love all of that. It, and I love your comment about breakfast. It's so true. It's poor breakfast. We just don't do a good job with breakfast. <laughs> I know. And um, and I hate that intermittent fasting is becoming such a popular recommendation for PCOS because of the research about intermittent fasting and insulin resistance in general. But I just feel like it it adds to the confusion and kind of makes all of the PCOS issues worse mm -hmm. in the long run. Absolutely. Yeah, it, that's a great ad. Yeah, intermittent fasting continues to kind of be all the rage. Mm -hmm. I think you, Sam, I think you answered this question in uh, an earlier uh, response, but it sounds as though weight loss advice for PCOS sufferers is somewhat dated, you know, advice. Um, is there, just for clarity, is there benefit or improved outcomes with weight reduction for those who are overweight or obese um, or not so much? Yeah, I think this is an interesting question. Um, truthfully, the words overweight and obese, I typically don't even use them. Because Me either. When saying, <laughs> it's hard. When we're, saying, when we're saying overweight, you know, it's like over what weight? And is that based off of BMI? And we know that BMI is really not based off of any type of science that supports health. So that's a complex conversation in and of mm. itself. I think the I think that there to answer your question, um, is there validity to improved outcomes? I think we really need to ask ourselves, is that a moot point? if we know that focusing on weight typically doesn't help people long-term. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really, really the foundation that, you know, I like to stick with, with clients. Um, you know, if you lose weight and you do experience an Im some improvement in symptoms, but that's short-lived and in the end, you're going to gain back all of that weight and then some and be worse off than you were before, then that's really just not, a road that I want to take my clients down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. 
I love it. Um, so sad truth uh, is that many women with PCOS looking to start a family often struggle with infertility. Can you speak to some of the truths uh, surrounding PCOS and infertility and perhaps offer some guidance to women who may be on this journey of PCOS with infertility? Yeah. Yeah. And if you're somebody who has um, been down this path, my heart really goes out to you because I, I've never experienced infertility or tried to get pregnant, but mm-hmm. it can be a very isolating and difficult journey. So my heart definitely goes out to you. Um, PCOS is associated with difficulty getting pregnant, um, an increased risk of miscarriage, and then egg quality can also be affected. Um, something that I think is a good first step if you're if you're somebody in the midst of this is number one, are you actually ovulating every month? Um, something that happens a lot with PCOS and half of the people who have PCOS don't even know that they have it because typically when you're younger or in adolescence or as a teenager, um, if you start having symptoms like irregular periods or a lot of period issues or even acne or things like that, typically birth control is recommended. So what I see is somebody has been on birth control for a long time and then they go off of birth control when they're thinking of trying to get pregnant. Um, so, and that can put a lot of pressure on you if you haven't, if you were having issues ovulating and then you started taking birth control, which kind of shuts down your natural, um, ovulatory system, then you're kind of starting at ground zero when you're trying to get pregnant. So I think step number one is seeing if your body can ovulate on its own and working on improving insulin resistance and decreasing inflammation to see if that would help. Um, so yeah, that would really be the first, um, the first big step. There are many supplements that can help with egg quality and help improve your chances of ovulating as well. Um, but that's pretty individualized though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So interesting. I, um, I did have an intrauterine insemination with my first after 13 months of trying mm-hmm. um, to get pregnant, uh, was successful on our first IUI attempt and my second child was Clomid. Um, but I feel very fortunate, uh, when we started on that journey, e- pregnant women and children stalked me, you know, it, it was a very mm-hmm. emotional and as you said, isolating time in my life. Um, probably, probably a low, I, I guess you could say in my 35 years on, on earth, um, you know, and so fortunate for my outcome, you know, two beautiful, happy kids. But, um, yeah. like you said, my heart goes out to the women who, and families who are, don't have that same, um, that same ending and, and, you know, a, a pivot maybe on, on what that looks like and, and how they handle it. It's, it's a lot. And I'm so grateful for people like you. And you've shared so much with us. And I've learned, I'm sure our listeners have learned uh, so much on this important and very misunderstood topic. Uh, for those looking to connect with you further, could you tell us just tell us everything you'd like us to know about you, about your <laughs> practice, and really where we can find you after the show. Um, and we'll link everything in your show notes um, and also the services that you offer. Tell us everything. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Well, I have a nutrition coaching private practice. Um, I'm based out of Charlotte, North Carolina, but everything that I do is virtual, especially now <laughs> with everything going on with COVID. Um, 
So you can find me. The best place to find me is on Instagram. My handle is PCOS.nutritionist. Um, I do run group coaching programs. So in my group coaching program, I really walk you through basically PCOS 101. So we talk about everything from the root causes of PCOS to nutrition and lifestyle interventions. Um, I go over supplements as well, how to advocate for yourself with healthcare providers, really giving you all of that information that I find most people don't receive when they um, get a PCOS diagnosis. Um, so my coaching program is the main service that I offer right now. Um, and yeah, Instagram is the best way to reach me. And your website, right? Oh, my website is ggnutritionco.com. My business right now is GNG Nutrition Company. I may do like a PCOS specific rebrand in the future. Okay. We'll link yeah. all of those in the show notes. Whatever you give me, we'll we'll link there. <laughs> okay. uh, but I, I know our listeners would love your Instagram. I am just obsessed. It's you put out great content and it's just so accessible. Uh, I love it. I love it. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much. And yeah, on my Instagram, you can DM me and you can also email me from Instagram as well. Sam, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for all your work for women, for families even. Um, It's just so appreciative. Uh, We're so appreciative of your time and and your work and for coming on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I had such a good time. Thanks so much. Take care. All right. Um, And just one additional note on um, Sam's resources that are on the show notes. She sent over a snack. um, What did she call it? A PCOS um, snacking guide. So be sure to check out the show notes for that edition as well. All right, Gina, mom win, favorite new product or recipe? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm currently drinking the cake. I think it's KT uh, kombucha. I think that's what the the brand is. The, I don't even know what it is, but anyway, I got it from Trader Joe's. It wasn't a Trader Joe's brand. I'm pretty sure it's KT. That's the well-known one, right? That makes the synergy and all that. Mm. Anyway, it's a fall uh, flavored one with cinnamon and cardamom, cardamom, cardamom. It is so good. Oh my gosh. I, I'm just sipping on this. It tastes like a a gourmet cocktail that I would get like in New York City. I don't know, but it is delicious. But that's not my mom win or my favorite new product. <laughs> I just wanted a side note. So my mom win slash favorite new recipe, actually. This is from Amanda of Nutritionist Reviews. I actually just made this yesterday and added this to the show notes because it was such a hit with my family. They're banana bread protein bars. And when I first saw the recipe, I thought they were going to be, I almost was envisioning like a hard, crunchy granola bar. I don't know why. But they're they're really more of a soft, chewy type uh, protein bar with bananas, whole wheat flour, uh, some whey protein powder, which you don't even need to add, truthfully. Chocolate chips, applesauce, and honey was really the only added sugar, I guess, other than the chocolate chips. Oh, they're so good. My kids just wanted to keep eating them. And I had to kind of put a limit on how much they ate because it was right before dinner. But then after dinner, dinner, they wanted it as a post-dinner snack as well. So they were mm. very, very um, fond of these, as was I. And Nick was as well. He, he liked them too. So we'll put that recipe in the show notes. What about you? Oh, <clears throat> I'm just looking up the recipe. Collagen peptides. Interesting. Yeah. I, I don't know why they had to be, they don't have to be collagen peptides. I mean, that's what the recipe called for. You could use any protein powder or like I said, I, I think I've made these before in the past. 
I don't think I have, I added protein to them last time. They don't have to be protein bars. They can just be banana bread bars. Uh And it's okay if you don't know. I know you take collagen though. What, Mm -hmm. which brand do you prefer? Oh gosh. I don't, yeah, I don't know what the brand is. I get it on Amazon and it's one of the cheaper ones and it's in a black container uh, that has neon blue writing. (laughs) Okay. That's helpful. I think it's like prime recommended or something. Okay. All right. Um, my mom went is an instant pot recipe. It was um a taco mac. It was very, very basic. Um, and we really enjoyed it. That type of thing with noodles, beans, corn, meat. Um, and that was a can of tomatoes and some taco seasoning. That was literally it. Um But it's all about the toppings. Like I liked adding some sliced tomatoes and avocado and we added salsa on top. It was and some cheese. It was just really fun. Um, So we almost made it like a taco mac bar for the kids and they got to add their little goodies to the top. So that was that was a big win. Yeah. And it took like 20 minutes and four ingredients. Mm -hmm. It was so nice. Um, Okay, cool. So read a review. Saki the stuff. (laughs) <laughs> Great listen for moms and nutrition gurus. Nicole and Gina are so fun and informative. I always learn something and I always laugh. Highly recommend the show. So thanks, Soggy. I like to hear that she laughs or he. That's great. All right. So coming up on November 2nd, I'm sorry, 22nd, we will be taking a break from wellness to dish about our wedding days. Until then, keep in touch with us on social media at Dietitians Dish Podcast on both Facebook and Instagram, and check out all of our episodes and show notes on our website, dietitiansdishpodcast.com. Also, please tell your friends about us. They can find us on numerous outlets such as Overcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Pocket Cast. If you listen on iTunes, be sure to leave us a review. We promise it only takes a few seconds. All right. Until next time, everyone, be well. And Nicole, we'll talk to you soon. Take care, Gina. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening for the podcast. Bye-bye.